Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. In my Bible, the heading above verse 57 of Luke chapter 1 says, Elizabeth gives birth to John. Now that gives me a, a signal that this passage is about Elizabeth and baby John. When you go on and read the passage, verses 57 through 66, you find that Elizabeth's husband, John's father, plays a prominent role in the passage as well, Zechariah. And there's a mention of some generic relatives and, and friends, community members who are unnamed, but they're also identified as being present. And so I think that, you know, when we look at the heading and we read the passage and we see this, we can kind of conclude then, can't we, that the passage is about Elizabeth, baby John, and Zechariah. Yes, we can conclude that, yes? Well, maybe. Let me just say this, before we put the stamp on that idea that those things tell us that the passage is about those people, uh, let, let me just say that throughout the Bible, uh, we find uh, many people and their stories recorded. Many people, thousands of people. I mean, just as a representation, obviously, Adam and Eve. We start right there in Genesis. And, and then there's Noah and Abraham and Moses and Samson and Samuel and David and Paul and Peter and James. And we could go on and on and on because there's just thousands of stories and thousands of people represented throughout the pages of scripture. And that leads me then to ask this question. If you ever wonder what I do during the week in my office, sometimes I'm sitting there asking myself these questions so that I can come and ask you these questions, all right? But I ask myself the question, does that mean then that the Bible is a collection of stories about hundreds of people? Or does the Bible use the stories of thousands of people to tell the story of one person? And I want you to think about that this morning. When you think about your Bible, is it a collection of stories of just thousands of people? Or does it tell the story of thousands of people to tell the story ultimately of one person? You know, the Bible was written over a span of 1,500 years by over 40 authors, most of which did not live at the same time or in the same geography as the others. It records thousands of stories, as I've said, and at the end it comes together in a collection of 66 books, an Old and a New Testament, to tell the story of one person. It comes together to tell the story of God. That's what the Bible is always about. It's about His glory and His grace. And that leads me to the first truth point today. I have seven. The first truth point that I want to bring to you this morning is when we read the Bible, no matter what the characters are or who the characters are before us, we must look for God. Not just be satisfied to see the characters that are presented because every passage is there to reveal God in some way. And as immense as God is, there is an infinite number of ways in which God needs to be presented to us. With that said, the passage today is no different. As we consider the birth of John, we are looking for God in this passage because his story is being told through Elizabeth, Zechariah, and baby John. So let's take our Bibles. Let's look at the passage 
And here we are, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child... And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. In the email blast this week, I asked you to read the passage in advance, and I asked you to look for God in the passage, and I'm not asking you to say a word, but I'm going to ask nonetheless for you to think about it. What, what did you see of God in the passage? Now, I found three things specifically that I wanted to bring to your attention this morning about God in the passage, and we'll start with verses 57 and 58, and what I found is this, is that God keeps his word. God is a faithful, truthful God. He keeps his word. I want you to go back with me, if you would, uh, nine to ten months earlier, not in our time, but in the time of the storyline here. Zechariah, remember, was in the temple. He was performing his priestly duties beyond the fact that he was honored to be in the temple and presenting incense in front of the Holy of Holies. Beyond that honor, it was a day really like any other day at the office. He had no idea what was coming, But God had already divinely chosen to select an angel, his name is Gabriel, and to dispatch Gabriel to the temple to give Zechariah a message. The message that God gave to him through the angel was this. Your wife, who has been barren all of these years, and now is beyond conceiving a child, she will conceive. Not only that, she will conceive A son. You're not going to have a daughter. You're going to have a son. And your son will not be an ordinary fella. He's going to be great in the sight of God because your son has been chosen to usher in the messianic age. Not only that, but your son, when he comes, will bring great joy to you and Elizabeth. You're going to love this. This is going to be a great experience for y'all. And guess what? Many of other people around who hear about it and experience it, it will bring joy in their lives, and they will rejoice at his birth as well. That was the message that came. Now, remember that despite the fact that Zechariah was speaking to an angelic being... He nonetheless was having trouble believing the message, and so he asked for a sign. Well, he got one, not the one he wanted, but the sign that came was this. Gabriel said, fine, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. You're now deaf, and you're now mute. I'm going to take away your ability to hear, and I'm going to take away your ability to speak. You say, Pastor Mike, I I, I know that he said he's going to take away his ability to speak, but what about his hearing? We'll get to that in a few minutes. But he took away his ability to speak and hear until... The prophecy was 
fulfilled. Now, that was many weeks ago in our time that we covered that information. And so since then, we've been discovering some things about Elizabeth and Zechariah. We have discovered that, in fact, she did conceive. And against all human odds, based on her age and her experiences, she actually carried that baby to full term. And after her gestation was complete, she gave birth to a what? To a son. Not a daughter, but a son. Exactly what she was told she was going to get. And when their son was born, the joy that was promised came. Zachariah was thrilled. Elizabeth is thrilled. The people from around the region, they're coming to take a look at this because they can't believe it's happening to them. And they're excited as well. And that brings me to truth point number two. That if this was simply a story about Elizabeth, Zachariah, and baby John, then the rejoicing of all these people, including the principal parties, would be focused on them alone. It would just be all about their good fortune. But when you study the passage, that's not how it goes down. Look at verse 58. It says, when her neighbors and relatives heard... Not just about the birth, when they heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her. The focus here is on the Lord. When they saw, when they heard how he had, had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Let me tell you that Elizabeth was already rejoicing in the good mercy of God. The mercy that he had shown her by giving her this child. Her focus was not just on the fact that now I am a mama. Now the reproach has been taken away. Now I've got a little infant that I can love all to myself. That wasn't her primary focus. Her primary focus was on the blessing of God, which is represented through the giving of the child. She is worshiping God, which leads me to truth point number three. The actual focus here is not on the birth of the child as much as it is on Yahweh, who is a God of mercy, of which this child, John, is a tangible manifestation of that fact. I want you to see something else, though, that goes back to the original thing that I said about God keeping his word. And this is truth point number four, is that John's arrival brought the final stamp to what God said would happen. God's word was once again proven true, which reveals that God is trustworthy. Let me say to you who are gathered here this morning that there need be no doubt that one thing God wants you to carry away from your coming here this morning and gathering and listening to this message and singing these songs, one of the things he wants you to take away is that he is a A promise-keeping God. That he keeps his word. You never have to doubt him. You never have to think, can I trust him? Even when his word has some very strange and fascinating and weird parts to it, you can trust him. Let me tell you this. That when he tells us that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, He means it, and he will keep it. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you have come from. It doesn't matter what you have done in your past. If you will call in faith on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will embrace you, he will draw you to himself, and he will make you one of his own.
And you know what? That should not only thrill us, but it should motivate us to want to tell other people about it. Knowing that if they will turn in faith to Jesus, he will embrace them. He is a promise-keeping God. And here's something for you Christians. When he says that if you are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. Or as it actually says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a fact. You say, but Pastor Mike, what about when I blow it? What about when I really make a big mistake? What about when I act really faithless? Am I still not under condemnation? Right. That's right. When you lie, there's still no condemnation. When you steal, there's still no condemnation. When you falter in your way and you doubt, there's still no condemnation. You say, well, that sounds an awful lot like I can just walk down the aisle, say a prayer, claim to be saved and live however I want, and there's no condemnation. No, that's not the message I'm telling you. I'm just simply saying that those whom Jesus saves, the condemnation has been taken away because he bore that condemnation for you at the cross, and that condemnation is gone. It is buried in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.